Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Hello, brothers and sisters in Christ, the remnant of true Bible-believing Christians, truth proclaimers, and defenders. It's great to have you with us this morning. We are going to talk about apologetics for most of the podcast, but in the third segment, um, there's some articles we've got to discuss, and we've got to talk about how big tech is still uh, keeping an eye on us who believe in the biblical worldview and the biblical truth. Um, They're tagging our posts when you talk about uh, biblical issues. I shared a post contrasting biblical morality versus an anti-Christian worldview. And uh, one of the lines was that comparing uh, Judeo-Christian morality to leftism, and it mentioned global warming. And because that one of them mentioned global warming, Facebook put a tag on that. See how the average temperature in your area is changing. Explore climate science info. So I'm just making you aware of these things. Also, we're going to talk about a new poll, which really is not new information, that 52% of Americans want all or most abortions made illegal. And some of you might hear that and go, wow, yeah, that's a majority. Wait a minute, 52%? So we're going to have to get back to the basics and talk about human life in mother's wombs. And uh, we'll do that in segment three a little bit. Plus, I've got a printout on progressive Christianity. What is it? What do they believe and why do they use the term progressive? Well, unfortunately, we've got to address that. Too much of that is in the church today. And um, right now, I just want to bring in our guest, first-time guest. We're so excited to have him on. His name is Dr. David Geisler. Yes, you know that last name. He's a graduate of Dallas Theological Seminary and Southern Evangelical Seminary and is the president and co-founder of Norm Geisler International Ministries. That is N-G-I-M dot O-R-G. David also founded Meekness and Truth Ministries back in 2002. Uh, He's got a book out, which we'll talk a little bit about in the second segment today, Conversational uh, Pre-Evangelism is what he came up with, and the book is called Conversational Evangelism, Connecting with People to Share Jesus. And he was also a missionary for seven years in Asia. He's taught in 13 countries and trained over 300 uh, Bible and seminary students in practical apologetics. By the way, that book, Conversational Evangelism, he co-authored with his father, uh, Dr. Norman Geisler, who is known to uh, many of us as uh, the father of apologetics. Some might say the grandfather of apologetics, but uh, Dr. David Geisler, welcome to Stand Up for the Truth. Hey, David, great to be with you this morning. Well, thank you for taking the time, uh, just looking up uh, your history and your background and all that you've been doing through the years. It's quite impressive itself, but it must be hard for you at times (laughs) through the years to measure up, so to speak, uh, to your dad. So can we talk a little bit about growing up in the Geisler home? And I know your dad wasn't always a diehard Christian and, and apologetics. He was on his own jersey j- journey, and that's why this new movie is called Norm Geisler, Not Qualified. Tell us about that and growing up in his home. Okay, well, let me say a little bit about growing up in his home. Growing up, I, I always felt sorry for whoever had to debate my dad. I never <laughs> prayed for his success in a debate. I would just pray that God would have mercy on his opponent. And so I, I kind of approached apologetics a little differently. I, uh, but, but he kind of grew up in a, in a different uh, situation because he was practically illiterate till he was 17. Then he got saved. And then a drunk uh, in, on the street corner in Detroit asked him uh, a question and he couldn't answer and uh, he realized, you know, he was tied up by Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons that he either needed to find answers or stop witnessing. So that sent him on a 20-year quest for mm-hmm. answers. And then eventually he got a Ph.D. in philosophy and found that a lot of the answers have, have been answered uh, for, th- for over a thousand years uh, studying Aquinas. And so um, 
And then he became what I would say the grandfather of classical apologetics. Okay. Okay. That's good. And I think it's very inspiring and encouraging to a lot of our listeners, David, um, that he was, you said he will, he was, um, did you say he was illiterate growing up? Can you explain that a little bit? He was practically illiterate. So he was 17. And yet, then God raised him up to be a scholar that impacted a whole generation of Christian leaders and, and wrote 125 books in his lifetime. That's so if God can, you know, take someone who's not qualified like my father and do these amazing things, think of what God can do in each of our lives mm. if we are willing to be used by him. Wow. That what what turned things around for him when he was around 17 years old as far as his his education and his drive? Well, I think it was just he made the decision to, he had been going to Sunday school uh, for like eight years at this church, and he finally made the decision to to trust Christ, and uh, and that just changed everything. God just uh, changed him from the inside out. You know, Philippians two thirteen says, "God is at work in us, both the will and work is good pleasure," mm. and that's what happened to, to my dad. And uh, God just used him in a mighty way, and. It's a great story, yes. but there's more than just, you know, his personal story in the movie because he grew up at a time when there was a lots of transitions from the 1960s to the 1990s. I'm sure you know oh my goodness. that the Supreme Court ruled that, that uh, creator, creation, and God-given moral values could not be taught in a public school. Hmm. And so he was trying to respond to the culture and to— interact and to, you know, stop the flow of secular humanism on the culture. And uh, and so the movie tells that important part of the story as well. Wow. So now people can bring this movie to their church or to their city um, on the website NGIM.org. Uh, there's a link there for people that want to uh, in, have this played. Can you explain how that process works? And is that the best place yeah. people can connect with you guys? Yes, the best best place they can connect with us is at normgeislerthemovie.com. normgeislerthemovie.com. And right now, we're giving a 40% discount uh, for churches and ministries uh, that signed up for the movie uh, training package, which includes the rental of the movie and then all these other uh, resources that we want to put in people's hands. And some of them are actually free. I, I, I mentioned to you before, we have a conversational evangelism app that was just endorsed by Jay Warner Wallace. And all they have to do is go to their phone, Google Play Store or Apple Store, and type in Norm Geisler International Ministries, and they'll see the witnessing uh, app that we developed for Christians. And uh, it's based on the book that my father and I wrote together. But um, we just want to get more resources in the hands of Christians. And we want to use this movie as a catalyst to awaken the church. Mm. Uh, we, we feel like uh, this is, uh, you know, getting towards the end of history, possibly. Yes. Yes. And so we want to be about the Lord's business. And I know one of your goals, I read in uh, one of the the briefs on the movie, Not Qualified, um, is to extend your father's legacy. And man, what a legacy. It, it makes us all want to work a little bit harder. And we know that Christians have not been the salt and light in our culture, in this country, as we've seen from the way we were founded and the moral decline and decay and what's happening in our society. And part of that is because of the church and our silence and Christians not being able yeah. to defend the truth, to defend the faith, as we are supposed to do. Um, could you mention that app again? I see on the website there's an app and there's a conversational evangelism. Is that the same app you're referring to? Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's a blue uh, graphic square, and it says Norm Geisler International Ministries. But you have to type in Norm Geisler International Ministries in either your Apple Store or Google Play Store on your phone, and then you should be able to, to bring that up. And actually, that was developed by my uh, doctor of ministry student who took what my father and I wrote in our book and what I taught him in class 
and developed this amazing app that uh, will help church leaders all across the country. I'm, I'm convinced of it. And, and uh, Jay Warden Wallace just uh, gave us a great endorsement last week. So awesome. I was very encouraged to, to hear that as well. Yep, I, but, I... you know, um, getting back to one of the things that I discovered in making this movie, David, is that there are lots of things that the enemy doesn't want us Christians to understand that my father discovered in his spiritual journey in the 60s. There are three things in particular I discovered, that all truth was God's truth, that faith and reason were more compatible than even many Christians understand, Mm. and that there's a proper relationship uh, between using apologetics and our witness to others when we understand the difference between belief that and belief in and understand that apologetics bears on the question of belief that, but not on the question of belief in. Belief in is a matter of the Holy Spirit working on people's hearts. Can you explain, can you say that again? Because I've heard that spoken before, and I think it's a very important point from belief that and belief in. Okay, so James 2.19 says the demons believe that God exists. Yes. But certainly they don't believe in him. And the illustration I use is my wife, my wife Charlene. When, when I married her, I be, before I married her, I believed that she would make a great wife based on the evidence. But the evidence of why I thought she would make a great wife never forced me to say I do to her. That was a decision of my will. And so when I'm witnessing to someone, I always point out, look, there are two decisions you need to make about Jesus Christ. First, is there enough evidence to believe that Jesus is who he claims to be? And once you've decided that, then you have a more difficult decision to make. Do you want to put your trust in him? Do you want to believe in him? And that's a lot harder. You want to invite him to come into your life and allow him to change you from the inside out and Mm. direct your path. Um, And so that's where, uh, you know, we need to help people to understand the appropriate use of apologetics, what apologetics can and what it cannot do. You cannot argue someone into the kingdom. That's right. Because uh, John 6, 65 and 1 Corinthians 12, 3 talk about the importance of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. It's the Holy Spirit that allows us to believe in Christ. It's not the evidence. And this is, my father would say, this is where the evidentialist and the presuppositional apologists are confused a little bit. They, they misunderstand the difference between belief that and belief in. And if we could all get on the same page, uh, I think, you know, we could help a lot of people around the country to better understand their faith and the proper understanding of faith and reason. Oh, boy, that's awesome. I really appreciate that, and you laying that out that way. One of my favorite quotes uh, by your dad, maybe others have said it, but I read this in uh, your bio, that he used to say, God wants to reach the heart, but he, yeah. but he does not bypass the head on the way to the heart. So how would you uh, respond to someone, a, a Christian, well-meaning Christian, who just says, you know what, we don't need to worry about apologetics, we just need to share the simplicity of the gospel. Well, okay, so there is a half-truth that they have. Mm-hmm. It starts with Romans eight sixteen. It says uh, that the Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are the sons of God. So we can have this pers- personal abiding relation with Christ apart from any objective evidence. But it doesn't necessarily help my non-believing friends to understand that what I believe is objectively true. Because remember what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 14? If Christ didn't rise from the dead, what? Your faith is in vain. So our faith is only as valid as the object to which it's placed. One of the things I I point out to people is you can take Buddha out of Buddhism and still essentially have Buddhism. But you can't take Christ out of Christianity and still have Christianity and specifically you can't take the resurrection hmm. out of Christianity and still have Christianity. So it's it's the fact that the, the Christians believe in an historical event, the resurrection, that Christianity is based on. So it's not just having faith in faith, it's having faith in the right object. And Jesus was the only one 
who claimed to be God improved it by living a sinless life, fulfilling prophecy, dying and rising from the dead. Mm. And if he is God and what he says is true, then if he says the Bible is the Word of God, then the Bible is the Word of God. Mm. Amen. Amen. Uh, we are speaking with Dr. David Geisler, and uh, the project that we've been referring to is called Norm Geisler, Not Qualified. It's a movie. I, I believe it just came out earlier this month, or was it um, last well, actually, month? Actually, it came out in January. Oh, and, okay. Uh, National Religious Broadcast TV Network, we've been giving them permission this year to show it because we want churches to get an idea of what this movie is all about. Because we have a workbook that goes with it that uh, can be used in churches to kind of help people go further in growing in their faith and understanding uh, some of the basic things, like I said, that my father taught all Mm -hmm. his life. Mm -hmm. Now, this is endorsed by uh, people like Josh McDowell. You just said Jay Warner Wallace. We've had him on the podcast uh, with his new book, Person of Interest. And um, you narrate the movie um so that's that's that had to be kind of an interesting experience for you because you're going back in a lot of history you're quoting your dad you're setting up scenes tell us a little bit about that process david it was an amazing uh journey actually that i had the privilege of speaking to all these christian leaders when i first made this movie about five years ago i thought well it'd be nice to make a little movie about my dad because he is the you know, grandfather of classical apologetics. But what I discovered in talking to all these people is that he was singly the key person in the early 60s that responded to the culture in a way that could have made a difference if there were other people like him. And Mm. so telling that story is really important. And from what people told me about his life and what he did, it became clear to me that God, you know, raised up my father at a very unique point. Mm. And we need to learn from what he did so that we can respond to our culture today because it's even, you know, things are much worse, as you know, than yep. from the 60s to the 90s. And so uh, I, you know, they're, there are people that my father influenced, people like William Lane Craig, Gary Habermas, John Ankerberg, Richard Howe, Frank Turek, Andy Stanley, uh, Dr. Ed Heinsohn, who was the former dean of the Liberty School of Theology. In mm-hmm. fact, Dr. Heinsohn uh, has this great quote in the movie. He says, much of what Norm Geisler wanted to say to the 20th century was really speaking to the 21st century mm. and needs to be heard today just as much as ever before. And that's why I'm so convinced that I need to really encourage you know churches to watch the movie, to interact, uh, to do maybe even a Q&A after the movie. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I'm very interested in doing is going to different cities inviting pastors to come and watch the movie and doing the Q&A time afterwards so that we can, and then getting all these resources that maybe people weren't aware of that my father developed and getting these resources to churches all across uh, America. Um, and and so I'm, I'm really excited to be a part of this, this movie project. So I read somewhere, uh, David, and we just have a minute and a half in this segment, um, sure. that churches will receive marketing materials, printable workbook, and booklets. Uh, is that what you're referring to, some of the resources? Yes, yes. And and then there's four specific messages that we put with this movie. You know, my, my father uh, didn't talk a lot about discipleship, but one of the reasons why he was had such an impact is not just the quality of what he taught, but also how he mentored and discipled others. And he spent a lifetime doing that. And so one of the things that we do at NGIM is try to emphasize the importance of the integration of a certain kind of evangelism with a certain kind of apologetics, with a certain kind of discipleship. And we think that that's the the winning combination to, to help people uh, to grow in their faith and to grow stronger roots and to be a more effective witness for Jesus Christ. Mm. 
We are speaking with Dr. David Geisler. He's the president and co-founder of Norm Geisler International Ministries and also co-authored the book with his father, Conversational Evangelism. That's what we're going to talk about when we come back and some points that are in the book and how you can bring, of course, what we've been talking about, the movie, to your church and at least get the information to your pastor. A lot more coming up on Stand Up For The Truth. Keep it right here. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. We're speaking with Dr. David Geisler today, president, co-founder of Norm Geisler International Ministries. It's just amazing to have such a legacy. Uh, Norman Geisler co-authored more than 125 books, hundreds of articles. He has spoken or debated in all 50 states, 30 countries, six continents, and he co-founded and was the longtime dean of Southern Evangelical Seminary in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, You can get books and information on Dr. Norman Geisler at ngim.org and look over at the store. But uh, David, before we talk a little bit about one of the approaches that we were mentioning, I want to mention the the book. I thought this was such a phenomenal book. It should be in every Christian's library. I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. I believe it came out in 2004 with Frank Turek. Uh, The foreword was written by David Limbaugh. And, of course, your father, Norman Geisler, co-authored it. That's a phenomenal book book addresses, I think, anything a Christian needs to know. Just share your thoughts on that briefly. Yes, it, it is one of the, the best books uh, that, that he has um, uh, produced, and it's based on the 12-point system. I don't know if uh, we call this classical apologetics. We call it two-step apologetics. You establish the worldview of theism, and then you use that theistic lens to look at the evidence for the resurrection. And it's based on the principles that truth exists, the opposite of true is false. It is true that a theistic God exists. If God exists, then miracles are possible. Miracles can confirm a message from God. Mm. The New Testament is historically reliable. The New Testament says Jesus claimed to be God. Jesus proved to be God. Therefore, Jesus is God. And then whatever Jesus, who is God, says is true, is true. And Jesus said the Bible is the Word of God, therefore the Bible is the Word of God. Mm. So I think this is one of the things that, uh, this is part of my dad's legacy. He has developed this 12-point classical apologetic system that I think will really help supplement uh, Christians when they try to to witness. And and this is what we teach at uh, Norm Geisler International Ministries. I, Mm. I teach... The, the combination of conversational evangelism, which is the book my dad and I co-authored together, and my dad's 12-point system, which uh, he talks about uh, in Frank, uh, in his book, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. Yes, I can't recommend that one enough. And um, David, let's talk about conversational evangelism, and let's start off by just briefly mentioning what you were talking, I think off-air we were actually talking about this, the fact that people have to come to terms with, the, with whether or not they are accountable to this God who is the Creator. Talk a little bit about that before we jump into some points in conversational evangelism. Well, the problem is that more and more people today don't think that they need a Savior because they have no sense to forgive. Uh, Gene Vieth, in his book Postmodern Times, makes the same point. He says, it's hard to proclaim forgiveness of sins to people who believe that since morality is relative, they have no sin to forgive. Mm. And this is what I discovered when I was hired by Campus Crusade in 1994. I came to UT Austin and developed a national pilot program for grads, and I discovered that the graduate students were very skeptical, and they just, uh, they didn't see uh, the need for Christianity because they didn't see a need for a savior because they had no sense to forgive. And, um, and then they begin to question whether even God exists. So if God doesn't exist, then how can we be accountable to our creator in any way? And then how are they going to think that somehow they're a sinner that needs a savior? And so it's kind of a domino, uh, uh, effect, right? Mm-hmm. If you, don't believe one thing, and then you don't believe that God exists, 
then certainly you're not going to see yourself as a center. So that's why it's so important that we learn today to combine apologetics and evangelism, and that's what our ministry teaches. And by the way, the book, Conversational Evangelism, Evangelism, has been translated into Chinese, Korean, Indonesian, Slovakian. Any other updates that maybe that's not <laughs> accurate? Uh, German. German, yeah, too? German. Wow. Yep. Fantastic. So, uh, David, um, it must been it must have been a neat creative process and probably intellectual process and spiritual process co-authoring this with your father. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, you know, I've been very fortunate. Um, I learned all this stuff when I was a little boy. And because of that, you know, I I never had any doubts, David, about my faith. Mm. And uh, I, I'm very thankful for that. So I learned all this uh, apologetics as a little boy. But, you know, my passion was evangelism. Mm. And it was, you know, how can we take all this great stuff by Norm Geisler and how can we actually use this in a conversational way? And let me just give you one example. One day I was talking to a professed atheist. Here's what he said to me. I think our country is going in the wrong direction. And I said, well, what do you mean by that? And he said, well, I think we need to get back to our founding forefathers' values. And I said, you mean like Christian values? <laughs> and to my surprise, he said, yes. Huh. Now, here's my transition with him. I said, I believe that there's one question we must all come to some kind of conclusion about before we die. And I paused, and he asked me, well, what is that question? And the question I said is this, is there a creator? And if so, am I accountable to this creator in some way? And so if you and I can use philosophy and science and build a bridge uh, you know, helping people to understand that there is a theistic God that exists, an intelligent designer who created the universe, then it's a lot easier, I have found, hmm. in building bridge to the gospel, because one of the things we teach in our book, Conversational Evangelism, is these five planks. If I, I'm accountable, I can't measure up, I'm a sinner, I need an outside source for help, and I need what only Jesus can give. Mm. And so there, you, you have an idea now of where apologetics and evangelism can fit, because once we show that there's evidence for an intelligent designer, then people have to acknowledge that they may be accountable. And then secondly, you help them to see that not only do they not measure up to God's standards, According to the Bible, Matthew 5.48, James 2.10, they don't even measure up to their own standards. Uh, and therefore, maybe they will see yes. sinner in need of a Savior. And so that's kind of the strategy behind combining apologetics and evangelism in that way, and then combining it with my dad's 12 points. Excellent, excellent. And it is, and there's a revised and expanded edition that's now available yes. Um, one of the descriptors on the page for conversationalevangelism.com, uh, but the, it says the awareness of basic Christian principles has changed, and so have the needs of pre-believers. So th you talk right. about what makes old models of witnessing ineffective in today's culture. What, what do you think? I mean, share a little bit about that. Well, uh, we live in a culture in which people are reluctant to be told what is true, right? Mm, yes. But they may be willing to see for themselves, like in a mirror, the inconsistencies in their own beliefs. And we ask them thought-provoking questions. And one of the keys to the uh, conversational approach is what's called the three Ds. We learn to ask questions in a way to surface doubt, to minimize defensiveness, but most importantly, to create a desire hmm. to continue the conversation. And it's not anything new. This is what Jesus did with the woman at the well, if you remember, David. Interesting. In John chapter 4. Yes. He, he asked her questions and said to her something like this, If you drink of the water that I give you, you'll never be thirsty again. And that's what we need to do. We need to talk to our neighbors, our coworkers, our family members. We need to talk to them in a way that they will be thirsty for that living water, Jesus Christ. Mm, that's really good. Um, 
So there is a DVD set also. Does it does that accompany the book? Is that a is that different? Are there different? Is there different information in the DVD? So uh, the resources we have with the movie are all things that we are downloadable materials that we want people to be able to duplicate mm-hmm. and give. Like if if a church buys it or a ministry or a Christian school buys it. They get all that material, and they can distribute it to everything. For example, uh, May 10th, uh, uh, Alaska Bible College is going to show the movie, and Rosho Christie is sponsoring it, and they're inviting the whole Bible College to come, and then afterwards, me and one of my staff are going to do a Q&A afterwards and answer any questions anyone has. And so, um, and then we're going to make these materials that are connected with the movie available, some of the things that I told you that Brian Henson developed, he developed this material called Grounded. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian is our youth apologetic specialist, and he's been teaching Christian high school for 21 years, so he knows how to speak to youth. And he's taken my dad's 12 points and made it youth-friendly. And we're trying to get some of that material to people, and we just want to get more resources in the hands of more Christians because we still don't think the church uh, is given all the resources that's necessary, especially in dealing with more and more skeptics and atheists that we uh, deal with today. And one of the things that I love to teach people is what I call light apologetics. I don't know if you've heard that term. Light? My father actually taught me this. Okay. Um, Basically, uh, he taught me this principle. You don't go to war with a pea shooter, but you don't go to target practice with a bazooka. And so I've learned over the years <laughs> that light apologetics is helpful in a conversation uh, because then it helps you to know what other apologetic resources you really need to pull out to help convince a person that it is reasonable to believe in the Christian faith. And so sometimes I'll ask a light apologetic question like this. If you come to the end of your life and you met Jesus and other great religious leaders, and each of them suggested a different path, whose advice would you take? Hmm. And then I would say, would you take the advice of someone who's been to the other side and commit to tell us about it? Wow. I I said that to a a young uh, lady once, and she said, wow, that's a good point. So I didn't have to get into all the evidence for the resurrection because she understood that Jesus was different. So David Geis, oh, you know what? Um, we've got five minutes left. I want to get to something you you brought up earlier, and the fact that in in this culture, moral relativism seems to prevail more often than not, and people are believing their own truth. That's how they phrase it, right? As if there can be different truths. But your father and you and apologists and most of us say God is the source of all truth. And how do you respond to someone who says, well, that's not my truth? Okay. So we need to help people understand that there are foundational principles that cannot be denied. My father talked about this, and he uses this illustration of Winnie the Pooh and Mr. Rabbit. Do you remember that? Mr. Uh, Winnie the Pooh is knocking on Mr. Rabbit's door and saying, anybody home? And Mr. Rabbit doesn't want Winnie the Pooh to eat all his food. So from the closed door, he says, nobody home. And Winnie the Pooh scratches his head and says, wait a second. There's got to be somebody home to say, nobody home. Hmm. Undeniably true. And what we need to help our non-believing friends understand is, you cannot deny truth. Frank Turek does a great job of this yes. uh, when he does his uh, debate, um, when he talks in churches, he talks about uh, the Roadrunner uh, illustration or whatever. Um, <laughs> you can't deny absolute truth. And Jesus said, you, John eight thirty two, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And we just have to help people to understand that there are some things that are undeniable. And and from that, I, I build bridges with skeptics and atheists because mm-hmm. I point out to them, if something exists, if we exist, and something can't come from nothing, then the only conclusion we can come to 
is that something must have always existed because if there ever was a time when there was nothing at the beginning, there'd still be nothing. Mm -hmm. And this is one of the principles that my father uh, taught. Um, And it just helps people to understand that um, the Christian faith and and belief in God's existence is rational. You don't have to, you know, put your brain uh, in a corner and in order to to be a follower of Jesus Christ. That's right. So I think it's important to help people to understand these things. Amen. Faith and reason are compatible. You can download the app. Uh, I just did it while we've been on the phone. Uh, in this interview, David, the Norm Geisler International Ministries app on your iPhone. You can download that. Uh, you can go to, there's a Facebook page. They have a Twitter set up. And the website for the movie, I think I really want to encourage you guys to check out Norm Geisler, the movie. Get that. At least get the link and info to your pastor. Try to get that to your church or community. Uh, David, any other things you'd like to share before we wrap up? Well, the discount, Ben. Uh, If they're going to bring it to their church, uh, put in the coupon, Qualified by God 2022, and they'll get a 40% discount right now if if they bring the movie to their church. And if they want to uh, bring me to a certain city, and invite all the pastors in the area. Wow. Uh, you can get more information at movie at NGIM.org. Movie at NGIM. I can't be everywhere, obviously, <laughs> but uh, I can go to certain places and and, uh, and try to get more resources in the hands of all pastors. And certainly that's, you know, my passion because I've been given this great responsibility, privilege mm. uh, to learn from my father all these years. And wow. I just want to pass it on. You, you are a blessed man, uh, but I thank you for being willing to equip pastors to better equip the saints. Uh, Dr. David Geisler, thank you so much for your time today. God bless your ministry. Well, thank you so much, David, for having me. All right. We will continue to keep up on this movie, and uh, the Dr. Norman Geisler, what an incredible legacy. We're going to try to get that into our church, and we'll see what happens. But, friends, go to the website, check it out. Again, check out the book, Conversational Evangelism, and there's a website for that. We've got it linked up today at StandUpForTheTruth.com in the podcast notes. And we just appreciate your uh, just being willing to get this info on apologetics out there. When we come back, we're going to talk about what we teased at the top of the show, the new Gallup poll on life, and we'll contrast biblical morality and anti-Christian worldviews next. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Guys, I can't emphasize this enough. You at least go to that website and check out Norm Geisler International Ministries and the project we're talking about. Um, my goodness, Norm Norman Geisler, not qualified, the movie. Um, wow. We need to get that into our churches. Uh, all truth is God's truth. Faith and reason are more compatible than even most Christians realize. And there is a proper way to use apologetics in our witnessing to others. One of the things that we've learned through the years, as we've tried to repeat on this podcast, is ask questions. Ask a lot of questions. Get Find out exactly where that other person is coming from and where they're at, what they believe. Chances are, when they start trying to clarify what they believe, they'll, might, they might be a little confused because of religious pluralism and other things. They might have a little bit of this belief, a little bit of that belief. They might not even know for sure the building blocks of their own worldview. So ask questions. And, um, yeah, well, how did you come to that conclusion when they say something about God or truth or Christianity? What do you mean by that? Um, Anyway, there's a lot of things we could do. So, uh, Norm Geisler, not qualified. So now that Gallup poll we talked about at the very beginning, uh, Americans, 52% of Americans want all or most abortions made illegal. I saw that headline. I glanced at it. I said, yeah, well, I guess it's growing. Thank you, Lord that more people are being convicted about human life in mother's wombs. But hold on. 52%? That's not an overwhelming majority, is it? No, it is not. So let's look at this. It says a majority of people say they oppose all or most abortions. But Americans have said this for years. 
Has it changed much in our culture? Not really. There's a little bit more understanding. There's a little bit more awareness being raised about what happens when a woman is pregnant. It's not a blob of dead tissue. Uh, because Why? Dead things don't grow. When someone says that's not a living thing yet, in, in, you know, when a mom gets pregnant, it's not a living thing. You know, well, dead things don't grow. So explain how that happens. And they can't. They don't have a response to that. Um, if they do, let me know. <laughs> I would love to know if someone says, oh, I can explain that that, that, that doesn't grow and it's dead in the, it, because they're lying. Um, but they've been convinced by certain leftist talking points. But in the past, Gallup has found for many years that roughly half or just over half of Americans oppose all or most Almost all abortions. The new polling is no different. So the opposite of what I just said would be that roughly half of all Americans favor all or most abortions. Do you understand when don't believe all the polls and they're not as accurate as we'd like to believe, especially when it comes to pro-life advancements. Now, I know there's a lot more pro-life legislation and policy that we've ever seen, I think, in our lifetimes. But does that mean, look at this poll. We're we're split. We're split as a nation. So we're split in our political parties. We have one party. Most Republicans favor life in the womb and want to protect uh, innocent children from being brutally slaughtered and torn apart in mother's wombs. And another party wants to eliminate all life. They believe in population control, Global warming, environmental environmentalism, people are the are the problem. So the planet has to be freed from some human life. We got to get rid of millions of people um, in order to save the planet. You know, I mean, that's just a pro- natural progression of that kind of thinking. But back to this this idea of the Gallup poll finding that fifty two percent of Americans take a pro life position. I don't know. I see this. I just had to share my thoughts on this, guys, because we see these polls. And the, the headline might say, majority of people say they oppose most abortions. Hey, that's good news. Yeah, let's celebrate. Friends, there's not, nothing to celebrate when almost half the country wants to slaughter life and, and, and sacrifice children in the womb. That's just like the Old Testament, right? Nothing new under the sun. They, it's sacrificing their babies on the, on, on the altar of Molech, the pagan god. So 52%. Pfft. Um. So the Biden administration continues to push their agenda that all abortion should remain legal. And they mean aborting living human beings up until birth, aborting them up until birth. That's what the Biden administration is pushing. But according to Gallup, 77 percent of Republicans want all or most abortions made illegal. How many independents? 50. Isn't that interesting? Flip a coin. Flip a coin. Life or death. Flip a coin. 50% of independents. How about Democrats? How many Democrats uh, want to make all or most abortions illegal? 30%. 30% of Democrats. So, I won't even go there. A majority of Americans, now they're talking about 58%, say they're dissatisfied with current laws allowing abortion on demand. Well, how long have we been doing this, friends? We've been playing this political ping pong with the issue of life, human lives in mothers' wombs. Uh, 58% are dissatisfied. There's a really cool quote I want to look up right now from Greg Kokel. By um, and and this is, th- by the way, Greg Kokel endorsed uh, Norman Geisler the movie, uh, not qualified. He endorsed that. Um, so he said this. This is Greg Kokel, and you can find this over at Stand to Reason. I love this. Only one question, only one question. So w- I'm looking for a quote here. It's is you, you guys. Are, are, I've shared this before, but I forgot exactly how it goes. So I want I want to go and I want to share this again, so you guys can can really think about how abortion is what's happening in a mother's womb. Is it a living human being? If it's a living or preborn, 
human being, then we've got to come to terms with it. And then there's a little account accountability, isn't there? Are we accountable to our creator? The one who created that life, if you believe in God, right? So if the unborn is not human, then no justification for abortion is necessary. Let me say that again. If the unborn in a mother's womb is not human, then no justification for abortion is necessary. If, however, that unborn child in a mother's womb is human, then absolutely no justification for abortion is adequate. That's Greg Kokel, K-O-U-K-L. Look up that quote, share it on social media, share away. Because we got to get back to the heart of this issue, friends, and it is a spiritual battle. Abortion is a moral issue. We've made it political, depending on who's in office. Legislation gets passed. Then Democrats will get elected. Then a legislation that defended babies in the womb will get struck down, and, and then they'll change the legislation. So it just depends on who's in office, right? It shouldn't be that way. Either it's a human life or it's a not a human life. It's a, if it is a growing, developing baby, a, a, a pre-born life in mother's womb, <laughs> no justification for abortion is adequate. Now, on to another subject. I shared something. You know what? I want to just share something else. Um, picking up my book, um, The Cost of Our Silence, I wrote a chapter called The Anguish of Abortion. And my goodness, I interviewed some women who, you're just going to have to read it. But here are some eye-opening facts about newly conceived babies. Not newly born, newly conceived when they are in their mother's womb. This is about a baby. Her DNA, everything she will grow into was fully present at the moment of conception. Number two, her heart began to beat approximately 18 days after conception. Her ba- brain waves were detectable 40 days. That's six weeks ac- after conception. Your baby could move then at six weeks. She could suck her thumb and even hiccup at seven weeks, and they have and they do. Eight weeks after conception, all of her major organs had developed. We're talking a matter of weeks, friends, but yet babies are ripped out at six months, and Democrats want to allow it up to nine months. That's the Biden administration under the guise of choice, right? What are you choosing exactly? Finally, your baby's respiratory system began to function, and she was breathing amniotic fluid at nine nine weeks. So don't tell me. And then they've done research on when a baby, a preborn baby in a mother's womb feels pain. They've done research on that. And I don't quote me. I believe it, it was like at 20 weeks that a baby can feel pain. And when they do, when it's necessary to do an operation on, on for example, a baby's heart, they've done that in mother's wombs. They've gone in there taken the, the, the sack out, gone in and have operated on baby's hearts. They give the preborn fetus anesthesia. Did you hear me when they do that? So talk to your Democrat Christian friends, which I know is an oxymoron, but talk to, talk to them about that, about why they continue to support a party that slaughters innocent human, human lives in mother's wombs. Okay. Um, okay. The, oh, this thing that I posted, we've got uh, four minutes left, less than that, actually. Yikes. <laughs> um, here's what I posted con- on my Facebook yesterday, a couple Facebook pages that I have, con- contrasting biblical morality with anti-Christian worldview. And I think this was, gosh, I, I don't, I, this was an article I looked up years ago. But um, Judeo-Christian or biblical morality teaches objective ethics, applicable applicable for all time and in all places. Then it contrasts it to leftism. Leftism teaches that morality is subjective. That means it's in a constant state of flux. Sometimes it's moral, sometimes it's immoral, and and that anything can be justified if it advances the revolution. 
Next, religion puts God above the state. And Christianity, of course, puts God above the government. Leftism says the regime is God. And the regime, government, is the source of all blessings. The Judeo-Christian ethic says the natural family is essential for social cohesion. Leftism says the family is whatever we say it is. And it's not really that important anyway. It's marriage, family, you know, whatever. The Judeo-Christian worldview says God created man and woman and intended for them to complement each other and procreate. Leftism says male and female are meaningless concepts and that to believe otherwise is bigotry. Finally, the Judeo-Christian morality encourages procreation as the first commandment. Leftism, be fruitful and multiply, right? Leftism says that in a world of global warming and climate change, having children is irresponsible and should be limited by law, like China did with a one-child policy, if individual choice isn't enough. So when I posted that on my Facebook page, I didn't notice it until someone actually shared my post, that down on the bottom there, Facebook had their minions put a little tag on it that says, because the, the previous one mentioned global warming, right? Leftism. Having children is irresponsible if you are an advocate of climate change and global warming. So Facebook puts a thing that says, see how the average temperature in your area is changing. Explore climate science info. Climate, quote, science, we would say, right? Be careful. Watch. Be observant of what they put on your posts. Um, this is really amazing, friends, that they are the ministers of misinformation, right? We're going to talk about that next week, what the Biden administration is unleashing when they've got economic problems, when they've got chaos at the southern border and an immigration nightmare. What are they doing? They're censoring free speech. The priorities of the Biden Democrats. Um, so, yeah, check out that post over on one of my Facebook pages on contrasting biblical morality and anti-Christian worldview. And Facebook's little say, hey, wait a minute, find out about cli climate science. Uh, click here. We'll tell you what the truth is. Yeah, right, Facebook. OK, so, guys, I got to tease some people that are coming up next week or at least tell you about them. That didn't come out right. Tease some people. Anyway, John Haller, Prophecy Expert, Monday, where we'll talk about globalism, I'm sure, and what's going on. He's got the latest inf info, man. He, do he does extensive research. Dr. Andy Woods on Tuesday, Pastor Matt Truella on Wednesday, Pastor Steve Smotherman on Thursday, Legacy Church, New Mexico, and Nathaniel Jensen's got a book out on Friday. We'll talk to him. Dr. Lee Merritt the following week, Trevor Loudon, Bill Perkins of Compass International, and I could go on and on. But I've got to let you go. Have an awesome weekend. God bless you. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter. <laughs>